Hi, welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work and discuss writing related topics. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative historical fiction writer, fantasy writer too. Now I don't know what's going on anymore. I'm currently taking a little break uh, from writing. Uh, my agent has demanded that I take a short vacation <laughs> to reset. And so I am. And I just finished a book like two days ago. Oh, I forgot to mark it on my Goodreads. I was reading that weird Tampa book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next books I'm going to be reading, I'm just going to chill out the rest of the summer and read some books from my own literary agency. So I got some, I got some Rebecca Roan Horace lined up, some CWW Green. I've got some Casey McQuist in here. I'm super excited. I've got a whole stack of books from KT Literary, but my agent's clients, and I'm super excited to read them. But not yet. First, I take a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Mandatory vacation time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm Avery Ames. I write adult fantasy. Uh, what I'm working on is I'm still trying to wrap up proofreading and copy edits on the sequel to Cambiare. It's just taking me a while because I've been having problems with motivation and finding time. I've had a lot of other things that have been kind of just nosing it on my time. Wow. Um, what I'm reading is I'm just finally wrapping up Little Thieves by Margaret Owen, a YA fantasy. I really, really enjoyed it. It just took me a while to read because of the aforementioned finding time to do things lately. Mm-hmm. I do have Jade City lined up next by Fonda Lee, which I've heard only good things about, so I am excited about that. So today we're going to be talking about inciting incidents, what they are, why they're important, and just everything else about them. And this is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we're writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. We're both firm believers that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. Yes. And so for the drink today, um, we decided since we're discussing inciting incidents, I would class up one of the very first things I ever drank, one of the very very first alcoholic drinks I ever had. Um, The very first one I ever had was Boone's Farm Snow Creek Berry Wine. Every time I was watching Schitt's Creek and they talked about Herb Ertlinger fruit wines, I think about my experience with Boone's Farm. And there's very little you could do to get me to drink that again. So instead, I did the first thing I ever drank at a bar, which was their special of the night, which was a crown and peach shot, crown royal and peach schnapps. So this version has, I forgot my notes here. They're over here. It has bourbon, um, apricot liqueur, maple syrup, lemon, walnut bitters, and an egg white. And you shake it up to make a sour. The egg white gives it this nice foam on it. And it is possibly my favorite drink I have made for this show. It's a beautiful drink. Yeah, it's very pretty. But yeah, it may even top out that pumpkin spice latte one. (laughs) Oh, but pumpkin spice, though. I know. (laughs) I know. My inciting incident in the drink world when I first drank, probably was not old enough to be doing so, uh, was the orange juice and vodka. At the time, it was like cheapest Tropicana orange juice, like Mm -hmm. probably bottom shelf vodka. I don't even remember. That was a wild night. But I I kept the ingredients the same. I'm using like a really, like a fresh squeezed orange juice Mm -hmm. and a cherry vodka from my Michigan's own uh, Traverse City. It's a Traverse City cherry vodka inside of some fresh squeezed orange juice. And it's pretty damn good for a screwdriver. I mean, the reason screwdrivers are pretty good or, or, you know, pretty common is they are actually, even when they're made with cheap ingredients, not half bad. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, you can't taste the vodka. That's why I was on the floor that night. <laughs> They're like pizza. Even bad ones are still okay. Yeah, you can. Yep. <laughs> okay. So first off, we're going to kind of do the definition of what is an inciting incident. Um, and that's really just the, the part where your story starts. Like, honestly, that's the it's, best way. But it's not the beginning, though. It's like the no. thing... It's like the call to adventure, right? Yes. Is that would you consider them the same thing? More or less, yeah. Well, kind of. Kind of, because sometimes the inciting incident is like you took a different route home from work, and then you run into like the the magical creature that tells you you have to go through a portal. So the inciting incident is where it branches. Yeah. So the inciting incident is a little before. Mm-hmm. right it's the unsighting incident is the thing that makes you start thinking about the call to adventure that thing yeah. that happens that makes you like whoa this shit's about to get mm-hmm. real <laughs> you know yeah because like maybe the inciting incident was missing your bus and now you have to walk and then you end up the adventure starts but the call to adventure would be when you meet like the first thing on the call on the the walk does that make sense am i making any sense <laughs> yeah or like Let's say, like, the book I'm working on, for instance, someone gets kidnapped. Yes. <laughs> and then after that, the call to adventure happens because there was somebody who was kidnapped. So, like, it's... And that's, yeah. that's actually a really good one I wanted to mention is um, a lot of times people think that the inciting has to be, and it can often be because it's a very exciting way to start stories, but they think it has to be a kidnapping or an explosion or, you know, a death, a murder, something dramatic, but it doesn't always especially in like literary, there can be more quieter inciting incidents such as, like I said, you miss your bus. So really it's, it's the point at which your character's normal changes yep. in some way, shape or form. Um, so I actually have here some examples from popular media. So <laughs> like you said, a kidnapping is a good one. So like, for example, I was trying yeah. to think of things that pe- a lot of people might know. So I was thinking like, definitely like superhero movies, like, Peter Parker gets bit by a radioactive spider. That's an inciting incident. Hobbit finds a ring <laughs> that belonged to another Hobbit. That's an inciting incident. Luke Skywalker gets a message. But did he find it, though? Well, I mean, he kind of in- inherited. You know, Gandalf kind of put him in a very awkward yes. situation there. <laughs> like, <laughs> he didn't really find it so much as it was forced upon him. <laughs> it was given. It was, yeah, it was forced upon him. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's getting the ring that's like the inciting incident there. So those are a little more, like I said, dramatic. But there are a lot of quieter, cozier stories that do have more quiet inciting incidents. But the the reason they're important and the reason you do need one, even if you have a quiet story, is that it is what makes this story a story and not just like a day in someone's regular normal life. That's why you really need to have one. And I I did a survey a while back on Twitter because there was a discussion about like how far into the book an inciting should be. Should it be on the first page? Should it be five pages? Should it be 15 pages? Is the drama behind that one. Yeah. Is the second chapter too far? And so I made just a little survey. Like, when does your inciting incident happen in your book? And I got an astounding number of responses that said, I don't have one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, yeah, you do. (laughs) Like, you may not think you have one because you don't have an explosion, but something yeah. happens that makes your story be a story. Otherwise, it's just like Bob got up, brushed his teeth, went to work, and came back home. Uh, yeah, yes. 
Sorry, I was thinking about that movie, that Stranger Than Fiction uh-huh. movie, where it literally shows uh, the character like getting up and like literally having a normal day, and then like halfway through his normal day, he starts hearing a narrator. Yeah, <laughs> that's like such a great moment, like such a great inciting incident. Yeah, and that's a really interesting exciting incident because it is, it is something that's exciting in what would otherwise be a mundane story. That contrast is really like what kind of makes you. Go- perk up and take notice and that's really part of what the inciting incident is for it's to make your readers like go oh there's a story happening and to start raising questions and kind of start making promises because that's kind of where you're going to start start telling people what kind of story this is is from the inciting and you do have the setup before the inciting which is the bob got up brushed his teeth maybe maybe not there's some there's some advice to don't start with waking up and brushing your teeth unless you have a really good reason to do it. Uh, Stranger Than Fiction did. Yeah. About the just, you know, just sort of riffing off of all this and, and talking about how far into the book it should be. Like when I was first starting out writing, I went through that phase where my inciting incident was too far into the book. Mm-hmm. So like I had laid like too much groundwork beforehand i thought you know i thought that i had all the reason in the world to make the inciting incident happen on page uh, on on page 50 like i i really thought that i did i i had laid a bunch of groundwork i had multiple you know char- character perspectives i had laid it all out and when that book went to query it you know the first 50 the the first the first 10 pages did pretty well and i got a lot of requests but like those first 50 pages did not and I was getting, you know, I was getting rejections after that. And I'm still convinced to this day that had that inciting incident been a little closer to the beginning of the book, I might have had better luck. Um, So and, and I think that this has a lot to do with, you know, especially when you're learning to write, doing that thing where, you know, you have your first chapter and it's not really where your first chapter should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of there's a beginning writers who who start doing a chapter that that sh- probably shouldn't be there, you know, because the thing is, is like some people like start their first chapters in a spot that there's like really not much going on. And you're using your first chapter to sort of uh, lay groundwork and explain things. I and mean, you don't actually have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I kind of did wrong with my first one is I laid groundwork for the first four chapters and then like did my inciting incident in chapter five. And I thought it was a great idea at the time. And then I discovered very quickly that it was not because basically I was losing the reader's attention before they got mm-hmm. to the good shit. That's that thing that people do where they're like, okay, I promise you the first three chapters are rough, but once you get to chapter four, you're going to be like riding. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. why is that? You know, okay, let's dissect that. Like, why is that happening? And for me, it was happening because of the inciting incident. It, it, I, it was too late, mm-hmm. like way too late. Yeah, and I don't think it has to happen on page one, but I think anything you have that's leading up to the inciting should be hinting that the inciting is coming. And like you said, 50 pages is going to hit a point where you're going to lose people. And it also depends on the length of your book and the genre of your book and the age category of your book. These are all going to be factors. But you, yeah, you mm-hmm. don't want, you, you want people to know that a change is coming and then have that change happen early enough that you don't lose them before then. And that's going to vary based on your type of story, your type of reader, all of that. But that's one thing that I did see a lot of contention in, especially in prepping for things like Pitch Wars, which no longer exists. They have they have canceled doing Pitch Wars. And there are still some other like mentorship, revision, you know, 
I don't want to say contests. I keep wanting to call them contests. They're not really. They're more like membership programs you can enter or scholarship kind of. They're popularity contests. They're kind of <laughs> popularity contests in some ways, but <laughs> they they do open doors for people like like because uh, they're free. You know, anyone can join them. So there there is a sense of door opening, but they were just getting too spammy, I think, and people stopped caring. Yeah. And it was it was one of those things where like because of the submission criteria. You've got a lot of people with agents. You've got different people submitting different agents, which have somewhat five pages, somewhat 10 pages, somewhat a chapter, somewhat 50 pages. But Pitch Wars would come out and say, okay, we want your first 10 pages, your query. Uh, I can't remember if they wanted a synopsis or only if they requested, but it was like 10 pages in a query. And it came down to like all these debates of like, does your inciting have to happen by page 10? Are they going to not request if you don't have an inciting by then? And you know, it really kind of opened up that door of when should your inciting be like mathematically. And I don't think it can be that cut and dried. But yeah, like you said, you don't want to lose your reader. And I get frustrated with that when people are like, well, I know book one's really slow, but book two gets really good. And I'm like, I mean, I have to read 500 pages before it starts to get good. I'll pick a different book. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. You don't want that. That, that means just start with book two. Yeah. Just back, uh, book one is backstory. Yeah. And that's the thing is if you're starting with the backstory and not the current story, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with prologues, where it was like you're starting with things that the reader doesn't really care about yet. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you're answering questions they're not asking yet. Um, whereas the inciting is where you're going to start raising questions. And that's kind of where you really want your reader to be towards the beginning of the story. Because that's what's going to keep them turning pages. And the type of inciting you have is going to help them know what type of story to expect. Um, because, for example, if you start with an explosion, they're like, oh, this is going to be an explodey type book. <laughs> if you start with guys doing his average everyday thing and all of a sudden starts hearing a narrator, you're like, oh, I'm in for like a literary type story. This is going to be a little more yeah. speculative, but on that literary side. Um, so that's kind of where you start telling your readers buckle up. This is what I've got in store for you. You know, Cambiare, the inciting instant is actually, this is a good segue into our next topic, which is you have the inciting and then you have the first plot point, which sometimes people call the second inciting. And I think people get them confused because the inciting is the thing that sparks the story. And the first plot point is where the character makes the first turn. And in mine, it's the inciting is her brother gets sick. And the first plot point is she summons a fairy to get the cure. Um, because summoning the fairies where your story can't go back to the way it used to be. There's the, it's the point of no return. Mm. So in like our Spider-Man example, getting bitten by the spider is the inciting. The point of no return is his uncle's death. Mm -hmm. yep. So sometimes, sometimes people, I think they're like, well, my inciting happens on page 50, but that's actually, they're looking at the first plot point of the second inciting because something got them to that point of making that big decision. Right. Which is the answering the call. <laughs> yep. And actually, I was going to read, I do have a definition of the first plot point that's probably a little more clear than mine, um, which is from the Masterclass <laughs> website. Um, it says, the first plot point in a story serves as the point of no return for the main character. It occurs in the first act, usually around a quarter or a third of the way through the story, and propels the main character into the central conflict, breaking away from their status quo. So the inciting is what makes them go, ooh, something's a little different and then the first plot point is where they're like yep everything's different <laughs> <laughs> yep so yeah those are kind of the two things that 
I saw confusing most often when people were talking about whether they had an inciting or did not have an inciting. And I think this is actually kind of an interesting way to, since we're kind of going early here, we're going pretty fast through these. You brought up a really good point that relates to this. And I think we can actually discuss, which is the, well, then where do I start my story? Do I start in Meteores with the explosion? Do I start with my character going to work where the explosion happens? Do, you know, where, where do I pick the beginning and how do you decide the beginning of your stories? Ah, uh, well, with the last book, it was pretty easy because it was, you know, it was the, it was the literary stuff for me in the last one. So it was like, you know, character has a memory and then that memory, something terrible happens as a childhood trauma thing. And that's it. Like that's, and, and, and then in this one, uh, I'm kind of using this episode to my advantage here because <laughs> You know, I'm actually rewriting that book that had the inciting incident happen on page 50. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I have this kind of strange issue because on in my first chapter, it's it's setting up the inciting incident. Mm -hmm. And and it's it, and instead of leaving the reader unknowing of what's going on, I tell the reader up front, like, there's this thing this character has to do. And if he fucks it up, that's it. So you, you and then and and um so the reader is left like, oh, well, shit, he's got all these physical and mental disabilities. I hope he doesn't fuck it up. But I also really want him to do it right. Mm -hmm. And and then in the next chapter, we meet another character that is involved with the thing that he can't fuck up. And then it like and then I don't know what to do, because in the other book, it goes back to the other guy and then it comes back to her. So like it's like. I, I'm in the middle of trying to figure out how to move my inciting incident to like the second chapter. And it's really difficult, especially with the way that I've set it up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to check myself, be like, hey, Darren, you can't put your inciting incident on page 50 again. That's not good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a whole process, you know? I think it is. It's it's harder in multiple POV because I didn't even think about that when I was thinking about this question uh, because I so rarely write like real true multi POV mm -hmm. because you almost need an inciting for each character in their introduction. Yeah, I think that's why it's so difficult. Yeah. yeah, like each character needs their inciting for why they're entering the story at that point. Yeah, that totally, that, like, yeah, because, like, that's the thing, is with one character, you know, you're following the same person around, and so it's easy to see that thing in the existence that's very different. Mm -hmm. But when you're following two or three perspectives around, it's like, like, you know, it's Game of Thrones. Like, when does it happen? Mm -hmm. When does the inciting incident happen in Game of Thrones? Uh, I, it happens, I think, you know, I can't I don't know if you know much about Game of Thrones, but uh, I've read them. Well, most of them. The the little lord is tossed out of, off the tower and he breaks mm -hmm. his leg. I would say that's the inciting. That's the inciting incident because that's the thing that starts all those gears moving. Yeah, and when you read the book, that doesn't happen until like page fifty, at least, mm -hmm. maybe even page a hundred. Actually, you know, now that I know. Hmm. I'm doing this as an academic exercise now because I'm like, is that the inciting? Is that the second one? Or is it the second plot point? I think that's the inciting because I think the first plot point is Ned. Mm -hmm. Is Ned dying? Which, spoilers. It's too late. 
Net dies. <laughs> Sorry, if you didn't know Ned by now, you you were you were never going to or yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think Ned dying is because Ned dying is the point where it's like it's the point of no return. When Bran gets pushed out the window and gets injured, things could still feasibly go back to normal after this. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they made certain choices, the world could go back to quote unquote normal, like Bran would still be hurt, but yeah. it wouldn't start this whole calamitous thing period of events. That's the thing that maneuvers kind of the other pieces into place for the major plot point, which is Ned. But I think we do have all these other POVs, and I think each character has their, like I said, each character has their inciting for what pulls them into the mess. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and I think Game of Thrones is a really good example of of something like that that happens very slowly, because I believe that Ned dies maybe three quarters of the way through the book it happens very slowly everybody like it mm -hmm. it really does um because you've got like Daenerys' story weeded in there too you know sort of woven in there the main big thing of the book is the fact that the king is gonna die and Ned is gonna be involved and and you know that's the whole thing uh and there isn't really a solid one thing that sort of pitches the book forward it's a whole lot of things but i do think that when bran fall when when bran is pushed by a lannister from the tower that sort of unravels a very big thing and and that's why it's considered the inciting incident but oh my gosh it, it really is like five or six chapters in yeah it's very deep inside the book i do think game of thrones might not be the best example just because it is one of those works that is exceptional in a lot of ways I am using it as an example right now, just because you're yeah. talking about the multiple, yeah. multiple perspectives and just sort of saying, you know, showing how it can differ mm -hmm. depending on what sort of book you're yeah. writing. Also trying to massage myself and make myself <laughs> feel better that mine isn't going to be in chapter four because <laughs> that's terrifying, you know, so it could work. But, you know, I'm not George R. R. Martin. <laughs> fucking, you know, definitely. George R. R. Martin kind of broke a lot of rules with Game of Thrones when he wrote it. And it's just one of those things where somebody did break a lot of rules and it just worked. And that happens sometimes. So that hints our little disclaimer at the beginning. Sometimes you can break all the rules and knock it out of the park. The quote unquote rules, which are all wibbly wobbly anyway. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't saying do that. I wasn't trying to say do what George R. R. Martin does. I was just saying here's some different examples of what it what it kind of looks like. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I was trying to think of other multi-POV books I've read. And the problem is I haven't read any of them recently enough to remember details. Like I remember Spinning Silver. Spinning Silver is, is multiple perspective or, or multi-POV multi and it happens. I feel like the inciting incident for each of those characters happens within the first or second chapter of that character's perspective. It does. And I think an interesting way of Spinning Silver, and this actually kind of happens in Game of Thrones too, um, is that each character is kind of running their own story until they all come together each of those characters and same thing with game of thrones is they're each running their own little story and then eventually all those stories flash <laughs> together and so i think each of their individual arcs has their inciting incident like i'm trying to remember how the main character's plot goes because i think the arc i think her inciting incident I get confused because it was, Spinning Silver started as a short story and I read that first <laughs> and then I read the book and I changed some things and of course obviously expanded it into a full book because the short story was only the one POV. So I don't remember if her story started this way in the book but it was like her father got ill and she had to do his job 
And so that was the inciting incident. Whereas one of the other characters is like betrothed to someone and her inciting incident is being betrothed and getting married. And you don't know how those two are going to come together, but they each have their own plots and their own inciting incidents for their story. And then later how they kind of like braid together and game of Thrones just does that on a much bigger scale. Yeah. Cause you've got like, why is this person coming to the Capitol? You know, why is this person, you know, doing this? Why is, you know, you've got Daenerys's story where she gets married off similar storyline. <laughs> yeah. So, and then that starts her plot line, um, which doesn't seem like it has anything to do with the main plot at first. So, yeah, the multi POV, I think, is is almost thinking of, like, multiple stories. And each story has their own arc and their own inciting. So it's much more complicated chess. And that's why I don't do it very often. <laughs> and so long story short with the question of where, you know, how far in the book should it be? You should try to get it within the first two or three chapters, I think. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in the extenuating circumstances yes. category in which I would heavily urge you to really think about it before you make any decisions. Like, cause I'm not going to just go ahead and do what I'm doing. Like I actually am waiting it out and thinking about mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, not sure yet. Like it's mm -hmm. something you really have to like, if you, it goes, if it goes beyond the third chapter, mm -hmm. you really have to start making sure that that's exactly what you want you have to ask yourself a lot of questions. You have to be very mm -hmm. self-examining. Like you really have to, really have to back it up because um, it's it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. it is. Um, I actually tend to have a bad habit of starting my story at the inciting incident and having people be like, "I kind of need a little more background than that." <laughs> yeah, and having to I've done that too. Back up and add a handful of pages to be like, "Oh, we gotta yep. we gotta get people grounded before we start like." spinning things around yeah I, I put an inciting incident in chapter one uh with uh my book about the wishes and like people just couldn't they weren't involved enough with the protagonist before it happened mm -hmm. so they didn't care so it's very difficult to decide where to put it you know i will say the inciting incident in autumn happens pretty early i think it's around page 10 um but you have 10 pages up till that point where you're where you learn who the character is what she wants you know her goals you get all that and the inciting happens pretty quickly. And I was actually worried it happened too quickly, but it is kind of a faster paced book. So I think starting your story and where to start your story is one of the hardest choices. And I have never once ended, like gotten to a good draft and kept where I started it ever. And it's usually I start too late. A lot of people do tend to start too early, quote unquote, too early in the story. And I used to, and I think I just got tired of cutting all that. So then I start, I overcompensated and overcorrected and went the other way. <laughs> yeah. And that, that does happen. Yeah. You know, do you have anything else about starting stories? No, I don't. We've got, well, I, there's, there's this whole list of things that we're going to talk about. We've gone through most of them. <laughs> Not the genre or age category. I'm talking about. Like you, you mentioned, there's a question here about how does genre or age category affect the answers to these questions? But yeah, we could kind of talk about that. Um, I think in the younger your age category is, the closer to the beginning you're going to want the inciting. Yes. And I also think it has a lot to do with, and we kind of mentioned this with uh, Mr. J George R.R. R. Martin, uh, is the fact that, is it George R.R. R. Martin? That's J.R. Tolkien <laughs> makes it George Martin. 
You kind of said like George. <laughs> you got there. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is We're both a little out of it today. Um, uh, but with him talking about him, um, you know, it also kind of has. You know, I feel like if you are an author, and this kind of goes for Brandon Sanderson too. I know we always talk about we have we got to name drop him into every episode. <laughs> it does kind of uh, have somewhat to do with how much your readers trust you too. Yeah. Because like if you have. <laughs> Oh my god! Someone just PM'd me and said J G R R Tolmart. Oh my god! Oh my god! J G R R Tolmart. Um, he he has a lot of fans that, or you know, he has a lot of fans that trust him now. Yeah. He so that that series was technically his debut book series i think he didn't actually write any books before that but he did a lot of work in film and i think he wrote a lot of short stories uh so there was still some trust behind his name people like brandon sanderson who have written a lot of books that have been very fulfilling in the end they're allowed to do that too Mm -hmm. um stephen king you see this with yeah martin was also known for he wrote a lot of shorts he did a lot of like in the magazines and those types of you know sci-fi fantasy anthologies and magazines and stuff he did a lot of those so he'd kind of built up cred in the community yeah he had some cred and back then getting cred was a little different because like it was it did happen through magazines and stuff so yeah uh i think a lot of it has to do with just like can you get your readers to trust you um enough to do it later if you want to do it later and yeah i feel like yeah i think you're right about that The, the younger the younger you are mm-hmm. or the younger readers you're targeting you should probably start it sooner <laughs> and part of my problem with the whole starting too early i think is there for a while i was listening to a lot of advice about writing ya and a lot of the advice in writing ya is that you want your inciting pretty close to the front part of that is the pacing of ya um it tends to be faster paced in general especially genre fiction i'm thinking particularly of like ya fantasy and sci-fi so they kind of want things to start moving because, you know, the the book in general is faster paced. And also, um, and this is just as a general rule, there are always exceptions. Um, and also because especially with like debuts, word count is an issue. And so if you can trim some of that word count off the front, then you don't have to like trim stuff out of the climax. <laughs> I agree. Cutting Cutting those words can be brutal. We have several episodes about that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's definitely the age category, but genre is definitely going to differ. If you're writing like a thriller, um, like a spy novel, you're going to want the inciting to happen pretty early because again, fast paced, low page count. Same thing with like contemporary romance, low page count. You want that meet cute to happen right up front. Yeah. And romance has a very specific beats and that, that inciting is going to be your meet cute. Other genres I'm trying to think of. Sci-fi kind of follows fantasy. Actually, yeah, sci-fi and fantasy both follow rules. I think they have readers that especially if you're an adult, if you're an adult sci-fi and fantasy rather than like YA sci-fi and fantasy, I think those readers tend to be a little more patient and they're willing to give you a little yeah. more wiggle room. We are ready to read 300,000 words. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in it for like the doorstopper. It's fine. Yeah. But, oh, and like in Cozy Mystery has a very distinct inciting and that is always a crime, usually a murder. Um, occasionally a theft but usually there's a murder you want a body you want a body pretty fast that's how it happens it's usually first chapter someone's dead 
So yeah, that's really going to affect it. And literary, you can go all over the place because literary part of its, yep. one of its hallmarks is experimentation. And so you can play with form a lot more in literary. So that one, I hesitate to even say when. Just do whatever. Do whatever feels right to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have a little game we can play with the next 15, okay. 20 minutes we have left. Okay, you mm -hmm. ready? All right, so... <laughs> This might be a total fucking loser fucking idea. <laughs> like, okay. So here's the game. Here's the game. You try, you give me, let's try to stump each other. Okay. By giving each other movies that our audience may know, but we think that the other one hasn't seen and ask what the inciting incident is. But if you've never seen the movie, you have to make up the inciting incident to the best oh. of your ability. For instance, uh, so, but, but then you can tell me what the inciting incident really is. Okay. I don't know. Or we could just go back and forth and quiz each other on inciting incident. No. But I think it would be kind of fun to try to give each other some movies we don't think the other's seen just based on like what we know about that movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That could be fun. But I'm, I'm going to be honest. I might, I might, you know, if I give you a movie that I think you haven't seen, but actually you've seen, then I guess you get a point, you know? Okay. Yeah, we'll Cause, do that. Because does somebody need to be taking yeah. score? <laughs> oh i'll take okay. score <laughs> <laughs> okay who gets to go first okay oh man i'm nervous because i'm like maybe you haven't seen this movie but maybe you have but if you have you you get a point because i'd be wrong okay so i think maybe maybe you haven't seen the the latest disney tron movie oh have you it came out in like what 2013 or something like that okay yes i did see it but i don't remember anything about it um all right i'm gonna quiz you what the inciting incident is um i'm gonna give you a point though without even <laughs> answering um because i was wrong about you seeing it it was very pretty <laughs> it was very light pretty. on everything else very pretty but i'll get a point if you get the um, inciting incident <laughs> well i'm gonna guess somebody gets sucked into a computer ah that would be the second inciting incident. Oh, is that the first plot point? <laughs> That's the first plot point. Um, because the inciting incident is uh, basically the main character um, gets, uh, he gets told that there has been a page from the arcade that the old Tron machine is in. Oh, And that's the, that's yeah. the inciting incident because his dad has been long gone and no one's heard from him. And the inciting incident is somebody gets a page from his dad. Oh, it's fucked up, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good inciting first plot point. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Movie that you. I'm kind of looking at my DVDs, but they're blocked by a box right now, full of crap. Here's what I don't know if you've seen. You may or may not have. We'll do this again. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Have you seen that one? I have seen the new one. <laughs> I this is the first one, yeah. I don't know that I've seen that. I I think I've seen the end of it. Now I don't not having any. I know the Bill and Ted universe. You you're gonna. So I'm. Do you get a point for stumping me for one? Yeah, you chose a movie that I didn't. So I'm gonna give you an extra point. <laughs> Everything's made up. The points don't matter. Um. <laughs> uh, so based on what I know about Bill and Ted, uh, and. What would the inciting incident be in the Bill and Ted movie? I know they're musicians and I know they have a phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
maybe the inciting incident could be did they get visited by aliens no ah that's close to what the first plot point is again um the inciting incident i would say is finding out that if they fail this class one of them is going to get sent off to military school and break up their band and then they get visited by Rufus, who's actually from the future, not an alien, but kind of the same thing. Who's George Carlin, who's like, hey, by the way, here's a magical phone booth. Pass the class and save the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay. I know you haven't seen this. Okay. I'm going to give you the name of a pornography. Okay, well then, yes, I definitely. <laughs> but, but there's like eight billion of them. The odds here are very low. Okay, it's a it's a it's a it's a big it's a big time pornography. It's called uh, Lord of Milking. <laughs> Based on the title, I'm going to need you to tell me what the inciting incident is. Um, a Hobbit is given a ring that does not go on your finger. <laughs> That's a, probably, honestly, a better idea than what they had. Actually, it's kind of a porn that's kind of put together the same way Rocky Horror Picture oh. Show is. So, like, it starts with a man outside who has a car that's broken down, and his car breaks down, and he has to, you know, he, he approaches a mansion in the darkness, and they open the door, and there's a man that lives there that keeps other men to milk them. <laughs> When you said Lord, I went Lord of the Rings because we've been talking about it earlier. So that's where I was going with that. I wish it had been that. You know, that was the first porn I picked up. I get it, did it when I was eighteen as a you know as a as a rite of passage. I went out and spent sixty dollars on a DVD. It was probably really stupid at the time. <laughs> um. Okay. Here's another one that I don't know if you've seen or not. Muppets from Space. Holy crap. <laughs> Definitely haven't seen that one. You at least know who the characters are. Mostly. Are they Muppets? They are the Muppets. <laughs> based, based on the title, based on Muppets. Oh my gosh. That, that The title doesn't tell me anything about what the Muppets are doing, just that the Muppets are from space. <gasps> oh no, it tells me that there are Muppets in space that the other Muppets didn't know about. Oh, I'm going to say the inciting incident could be maybe along the lines of one Muppet seeing in the sky a spaceship from cultures unknown. <laughs> Muppet cultures unknown. I, you get half a point? <laughs> it's Gonzo gets a message from aliens. He gets electrocuted <laughs> and gets like a, a, has a vision of aliens. That's a message coming from them. And it does involve him like swimming around in space, like in his vision. So... Wow, I can't believe I gleaned that from yeah. the title. Amazing. I'm with me. Okay, um, I'm going to do a new one. Uh, Pig, Nicolas Cage. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. It is on my list of things to watch. The thing that I think is, I think once again, I'm going to pick the first plot point, which is I think someone kills the pig. Oh, you're going to have to. Okay. Because someone steals the pig. Oh, they steal the pig. Okay. This is, it's a valuable, it's a valuable pig. pig. So they yeah. didn't go quite full uh, John Wick with it. No. <laughs> Honestly, John Wick is way better. It was better. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. The 1980s movie Legend. I have seen okay. it. Okay. Then I lose a point. 
I just get the point. I've yeah. been giving us points. I've been taking them away because oh, that okay. seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do one more well, each I... and we'll call it a day. And I remember, oh, yes, I think I remember the inciting incident. Uh, doesn't someone, doesn't the oh, yeah. big bad guy, or, no, he sends someone to kill a unicorn. That's interesting because I wonder, this is the multi POV thing. Because the Tim Curry's bad guy, Darkness, does send someone to kill the unicorn. But at the same time, the Tom Cruise character takes his girlfriend to see the unicorn, and those coming together oh, yeah! are what cause the incident. So I think this is no, the multi POV. Right. I think I was wrong. Yeah, no, I think I was wrong, though, because I do think that the inciting incident is when, when Mr. Cruise takes his girlfriend out to see the unicorns, because that was highly against the rules. That was some dumb shit. And I think. Yeah, I think that's, I think that might be a, a point on your end. He was trying way too hard to impress her. I think that might be a point on your end. Uh, God, what, what the hell movies have, have I, have I seen that you haven't? You're much more cultured in, in movies than I am. I'm, I'm really not. I have a very specific <laughs> subset of movies. Okay, um, Repo the Genetic Opera, have you seen that one? Oh, uh, I have, again, um. I'd been drinking that night. <laughs> so is the inciting incident. I'm trying to remember if I can. The, the daughter getting sick. Would that be the inciting? Ooh. I don't remember if that happens before or after. I can't remember if it happens on screen either. I think it might happen before. It might be in like a prologue. Yeah, because there's the the incident for me is when we find out that um the famous individual in the movie, her name is Blind Mag, she's got these eyes that were basically on loan to her mm -hmm. and the loan is over or something like that. And she hasn't yeah. paid her debts on them yet. I don't remember when the girl gets sick, honestly. I think she was sick before the story started, now that you're talk talking about it. I think you're right. Yeah. No, I don't know if I'm going to give any points out for this one. I don't. I can't remember enough. Okay, I have one more that I again I do not know if you have seen or not. So it is Moulin Rouge. I have not seen Moulin Rouge. I don't know anything about Moulin Rouge. So I was literally I was like I don't know. Does somebody get AIDS? I would suspect that the inciting is the main character moving to Paris, which happens in like the first two minutes of the movie. <laughs> No, Moulin Rouge is like in the like turn of the century Paris, so it's tuberculosis. Oh, it's tuberculosis. Well, okay, so they're they're not they never really say, but you can tell it's basically like, oh, she has consumption. <laughs> I uh I need yeah, I've not seen Moulin Rouge. But yeah, the first the first like 15 minutes of that movie are very frenetic and they go through a lot real fast. So I think the inciting incident is the main character moves to Paris. To become an artist. Okay. Okay. Well, I think you won. <laughs> you have eight and a half points. I have four and a half. <laughs> this was a good way to like isolate kind of how hard it is sometimes to pinpoint what the inciting is and what the first plot point is. But if you sit down and really like plot it out and think it out, you can start going, okay, here's where we start raising questions and here's where the characters can't go back. So those are kind of your two. And like I said, I, it's more often called the first plot point, but I have occasionally heard that second one called the second inciting. 
Um, so which just to confuse things a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's nothing in writing can be clear. <laughs> yeah, it's not clear. It's writing, guys. <laughs> and it's writing. And then one last thing to kind of tie us up, because this is the last thing on our bullet point list, is we've been talking so much about the beginning of the story, the beginning of the story. How should your climax and denouement tie back into your inciting? For me, it's like, I just want all my questions answered. And I feel like the inciting incident is what raises the question, what raises the stakes. And, you know, climax denouement, your questions are being answered and the stakes are finally lowered. They're at peace. Maybe not quite. There's, there, there doesn't necessarily have to be closure but the stakes are a lot lower than they were when that inciting incident happened. There has been, what, what word am I looking for? There has been a transformation. Yes. Yeah. Even if you haven't like quote unquote answered the questions that were raised, you've looked at them. And if that raises more questions, sometimes, especially in like an open ending story, that can be the case. But yeah, like you said, there's been a transformation. I think that's a really good way to say it in the end of the story, you feel like those opening questions were in some way addressed. They don't necessarily have to be answered, yeah. but they have to be addressed. Yes. And then we'll probably just end this one a little early. We're both having a bit of a week. We've been slow. <laughs> it's been a week. I've Avery hasn't had yeah. air conditioning. Today is the first day we got <laughs> our air conditioning fixed literally two hours before the podcast started. So it's still like 83 degrees at, as of the start of the podcast, but that is significantly cooler than it has been in this house all week. So my brain is fried. I have been a fried egg all week. Just my my brain bubbling. Yep. And and I have been finishing a list of painting commissions and I'm getting prepared to go camping tomorrow. And we were supposed to have a guest on tonight, but then things got busy because it's summer as it happens. And so this is kind of thrown together. So we did our best. It happens. Sometimes you just gotta do a the show must go on moment. <laughs> just yep. put all your shit together yep. and do it anyway. Um, our next live episode will be on August 4th, barring all things that might stop <laughs> us. <laughs> um, on a Thursday instead of a Friday, we'll be discussing tropes and cliches with yet another example from our old writing. So it'll be good old editing times. Back to revisions. Just like the old yes. days. <laughs> um, and you can find everything you need at anditswriting.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcatchers. We should be everywhere you can find podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at anditswriting for episode updates and notifications. Um, if you like what you're hearing, join our Discord. Um, we've kind of got some conversations going there. We kind of have a general writing question every day, most days, <laughs> that we kind of chat about. So yeah, come hang out with us. We will catch you at the next episode and see you again soon. Thank you. Bye.